0: Again, Dwayne Brummett here
1: with Ali Albarigo, schoonertalk.com. Allie, good day, sir. Hey, Dwayne, good to see you as well, man. It's uh, it's the start of spring. I'm getting that spring fever, getting my yard cleaned right now. So if you hear any blowers in the background and lawn equipment, it's because they're out there working on my yard as uh, as we speak.
0: So you got the spring
1: fever? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, I'm lo- I'm loving it. I I just I, you know it's interesting. It, it, this winter wasn't so long. It didn't. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't you know, extended. It really wasn't. And I'm looking, I'm looking for something for our topic of call. So that's why I'm going through some papers, but here we go. Um, yeah, it was, it wasn't brutal. Like I've, you know, we've had some brutal winters. However, I just started getting, you know, bummed out with the weather, right? And the minute the sun started coming out and there were warmer days, I was like, wow, what a difference, you know, what a beautiful time of year. And it just changes your entire outlook on things. So I'm excited about the spring and the, and the summer and so on. I wonder if, uh, and I guess
0: maybe some of our listeners could tell us, I wonder if you live in a tropical area when spring comes along, if you're actually excited, or if it's just like it is when it's wintertime, <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, like, you know, if you're down in Florida, I mean, you have your seasons, right? But it's always kind of even keel as far as temperature goes. Um, so places that are equal, you know, even all year round, um, I think that maybe you just get used to it, right? And it, it just becomes the norm. I, yeah, I've, I've often wondered that if they, uh, you know, if you get
0: excited or not. So
1: yeah, exactly. So what are we talking about today? We had a really cool thing. Oh, you just put it up.
0: Uh, you want to tell? Yeah, we're going to talk about, about Absolutely, we're going to talk. Yeah, we're going to talk about cash flow. Um, and I, 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 I really believe that this is a very important topic that isn't necessarily talked about all the time for business owners in general. Um, I think a lot of us get into business where X, Y, Z is our passion, whether it's martial arts or whatever business that you're in. And, you know, we go through times, and and you have too, right, where you go through times that you have uh, a really large surge of cash flow, and then there's other times, obviously, that it's not so good. And I don't care uh, in what stage your business is. That is true no matter whether you've been around for one month uh, to – to one year to, you know, to 25 years like Allie or whatever. But um, you're going to go through seasons of your cash flow being good and your cash flow being bad. And even if your school is still doing good, um, I mean that you will have a dip in cash flow. Maybe it doesn't affect your business. Maybe your business is still able to move forward freely anyways. Um, But we all go through those things uh, in, in our business life whether we're meeting our bills or not. And I'm sure there's been yeah. times, right, uh, even when you first began, especially when you first began, when you you uh, you didn't or couldn't pay all of your bills all the time. And, um, you know, you learn the hard way that, oh, gosh, maybe I shouldn't have spent that on X, Y, or Z, and I should have yeah. saved it. And and uh, so I want to kind of talk about that because I really believe that cash flow is, is the lifeblood of your business, if you will.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean everything you had just said, I was kinda lucky I owned um I've been self-employed since I'm 16 years old. So uh, I've only had a few jobs in my life, maybe one or two where I actually worked for someone. One was a frame company as I was a kid. And the other one was a video store where I worked behind the counter. Then eventually, remember those video stores where you actually rented videos and there was a membership fee. And it was like a grand a year to be able to be, have the ability to rent videos. Um, I ended up quickly managing that store and then um, becoming partners in a landscape construction business with my, my boss, who was my karate teacher. Um, So I've always kind of had to be in, and and I'm getting tired, you know, but I'm in the hamster wheel, just like all of us that are self-employed every day, spinning that wheel, churning churning out money, trying to make a living, you know, making sure the bills are paid. Totally different than a person who works for a company where every week they're guaranteed a paycheck, right? So it's a a totally different way of life. It's a whole nother layer of pressure. Um, and uh, you know, it, it takes a special kind of person to live that way.
0: It, it does, and it gets um, you know, it gets tiresome sometimes. Obviously, yeah. Uh, but 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 I think it's important. Uh, I mean, I don't, wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I just wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to work for anybody. I just I wouldn't have it any other way. But yeah. there are specific principles, such as the one that we're going to share with today about cash flow, that are. Uh, dramatically important for your business, because as we all know, when we got into the martial arts business, unless you were in a business prior to this that you understood um, cash flow and or you uh, were brought up maybe even in a household that taught you uh, some principles about cash flow, mm-hmm. you, didn't really ha- you didn't really have that. I, I remember when um, you know, uh, when I bought my partners out. When I first started, I, have, I had uh, three different partners, so there was four of us total. And when I, when I bought my partners out, um, we had $20,000 that was in the bank. And uh, I, I, you know, settled the deal with them, which that's a whole other story on, on probably why I shouldn't have paid what I paid to buy them out. I was just a nice guy. Right. right. Um, but anyways, I had, to, um, I had to borrow some money from a bank in order to pay the rest. Well, I was going to use, my thought was, okay, I'll get X number, from the bank and then I'll use the twenty thousand to pay them off plus mm-hmm. the X number that I got from the bank with a five- year right. loan I did all that not thinking not understanding that I zapped all of my cash flow I, right. I now did not have any money in the bank to pay any bills such as you know just even my own bills you know personally mm-hmm. um, and to make matters worse if, if, if I could say this is That same year, I bought my first house, I got married, my wife already had two kids, so I immediately had a family, and, um, you know, later that year, our son came along, and I bought my partners out, so um, not only did I use all of my reserve, you know, uh, I needed more, and I didn't have anything, so, you know, like you know, the dumb American I am, I, what did I do? I started charging everything. Um, and, yeah, I'm embarrassed to say, but I'll just say it for sake of somebody else not getting into this trap, is that I was up to uh, $100,000 in credit card debt. Sure. Um, now, I did have cash flow coming in. It wasn't like I lost students. It wasn't like I, you know, my uh, monthly revenue dropped. It was just that I needed personally i needed more money and i right. didn't have any active cash flow to make cuz you have to you know you got to spend money to make money i didn't have more money right. to advertise i didn't so i got myself in this vicious cycle well you know it took me a while to get out of that and thankfully i am out of that but had i understood these cash flow principles prior to even being in that mess i would have never been in that mess and i'll never be in that mess again you know I, partly because partly because i went through it but mainly because of these cash flow principles. So the, right. the, the very first one that I want to introduce, and I think it's um, number one for importance, is just the subject of cash flow, spending time thinking about your cash flow. And what I mean right. by that is, take, and, and, and obviously nowadays we can use the computer and you don't have to write everything out, but uh, getting your P&L statements, understanding what they are. Um, if you don't, Understand what your profit, you know, your profit and loss statements are. You need to do that. You need to understand how much you're spending on, uh, on, on your rent, on your utilities, on your taxes, on all of those things. And you need to be doing, you need to be doing that on a, on a, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, uh, uh, quarterly, annually, biannually basis, so that you can know how to read. The uh, lifeblood, if you will, uh, yeah. this is the circul- circulatory system of your business, and so no, you don't have to become an accountant, but you have to be versed and understand how these things work, and you know how the how the uh, percentages work within your business as well. Um, and now that isn't what this call is going to be, but uh, understanding the um, uh, the percentages in your business, meaning how you know, the percentages of what you should pay in rent, the, the percentages that you, you – you got somebody at your door?
1: Yeah, no, keep going. I'm sorry. Keep okay. going.
0: No, no worries. So the percentages um, you know, at your, at, at, on your rent, the percentages on your, um, your marketing, the percentages that you pay out for uh, employment, all those things, you need to spend time on your cash flow. That's the very, very first thing. All right, um, and it, and uh, the second thing is um, your bank account and kind of what you need to be doing, and that's going to kind of flow into the third thing as well. But the first thing, obviously, inside of your bank account is you need to make sure that you have at least one savings and one checking account, um, mm-hmm. and with that, you know, every everything needs to, you know, like. All the deposits, maybe all the deposits are going into your your checking account. But what you need to do is then you need to spend time taking things out of checking and throwing it into savings. Right. Um, but you need to do that strategically. And I will say personally, on the personal side, you need to at least have, you know, one checking account and one savings account and or maybe even uh, multiple ones. So uh, let's take the, the the business side, though. The business side, at least one checking and one savings. And, and then you could even have a, a secondary savings. And what I mean by that is, you know, on that secondary savings uh, account, that would be maybe for what we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, you know, with a, a secondary business inside of your business mm-hmm. um, that that those funds go go into. But you really need to understand and uh, to have that, that – uh, at least two bank, two bank accounts, one checking, one savings, maybe even additional savings account. Like me, for, for instance, um, on my personal side, I have a, a checking account. Well, actually, I have two checking accounts. And then I have uh, three different savings accounts. So my, you know, when I get my check, my check gets directly deposited um, into our checking account. And then, you know, I move... Uh, from there, I, as soon as it gets deposited, I take, you know, 10% of my check and I put it into what's my my giving account, um, you know, and then so that and that's a that's a that's a checking account as well. So I can just write a check to, you know, whatever I'm giving to. Right. And then um, I have a I have three different savings account alongside that where I have one uh, that we save because my wife doesn't work in the summer. And right. so there's a there's a percentage of money that goes into that account from her check just so that she can meet, you know, her bottom line of, of what she pays, you know, what she gets paid throughout the whole year type thing. Right. So that, that way, you know, we have her money in the summertime as well. And then we have the the other two accounts, you know, one is, you know, God forbid something happens and, and, and I need six to twelve months of income for some reason, that that account is there. And the other one is a futures account where, you know, we have that money saving for our retirement and we use investments on it and those type of things. Well, the same thing can be done inside of your inside your business so that you have a, you know, checking in a savings and then maybe even an additional savings account that you're going to use to throw in for additional savings, such as, um, you know, summer camps when you get prepaid on these summer camps or, uh, you get big lumps, sum of money that you need to throw somewhere rather than keeping it in your, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit more in a different principle, but rather than throwing it into a bank account, or your checking account, you go, oh, I got this money. You know, I can just spend it. Yeah. Um, y- you know, not to touch it. So that's the second one is your, your, your bank accounts. Uh, number three, uh, we kind of touched on this, but good times and bad times and, and kind of, you know, Uh, what you need to do inside of the good times and bad times. So bad times, you still need to be saving as much as you possibly can inside of the bad times, um, but you may not be able to save as much. Good times, in the good times, you need to be saving as much as you possibly can uh, in those good times so that when you hit the bad times, you have that reserve to pull from. So uh-huh. let's go back, let's go back to lump sums. So you have a lump sum, somebody paid up to black belt, second degree, whatever it is, or the, you know, you get the, 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 $5,000 check, the the $15,000 check, whatever it is. Uh-huh. Right. We have a, we have a tendency to, you know, go, Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, I I'm going to do this or do that, or I can do this and I can do that you need to put that in. And by the way, we're going to talk about, you know, big paydays on number eight and what you really probably need to do with them and how to structure that. But in good times, in bad times, you need to both be saving. But on a monthly basis or or a weekly basis or however you get your money, you know, we get our money, we do the first, the fifth, the 10th, the 15th, the 20th, the 25th, um, you know, throughout the month. And so uh, I know that like, for, I know, like, our school, every, every single three months, I do a belt testing. I don't do a belt testing every single month. We're all on a, uh, on a curriculum cycle that it's every three months. Well, I know that I'm going to spend anywhere from, you know, 300 to $400 on belts every right. every single month, right? Right. Or, excuse me, every, three, every quarter. So I know that, personally, I, you know, I, if it's $400, then I've got to put in, you know, uh, $133 uh, every single month. So that I have that $400 when it comes time to it. So I have a list of things that that I do that with. So I know that on average, my, um, you know, and, and that's by knowing your your um, knowing your bank account and knowing your profit and loss statement and knowing your percentages. You know, yeah. I know every year that, it, and it's really easy to find out. So take your take your electricity bill, take your electricity bill, add it up for the 12 months divide it by 12. That's approximately what you're going to be paying every single month. So what do you do? You just pull that money out and you put it into the savings account and and it's there. So every time that it comes, now some months is higher, some months is lower. It'll even out uh, as time goes on. But if you know that there's going to be a future bill, you can pre-plan for that future bill, such as the quarterly testings, such as um, you know your quarterly marketing strategies, and you'll know from year to year what those are going to be. Then you can pre-save for those, so that you you already have that money ready to be able to invest into you know whatever it is. And so, during the good times and the bad times, you need to still be doing that to the best of your ability. Number four, number four is to look for additional um, additional streams of revenue that are that can be inside of your business. So one of the biggest ones that we talk about, Allie and I talk about, um, and Allie I'd like you to chime in on this, uh, is 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 retail sales. Um now and, and maybe you can give a few ideas on on the retail sales. I'll n I, I in fact I'll give one really quickly is, you know, when you and I first talked about retail sales, you um I knew that you needed to work retail into your curriculum. Mm -hmm. But, and I did, and I already, I had already done that. But what I did not do that you, you introduced me to was to give them a three package option. Meaning, you know, when it comes time for sparring gear, you have the low level, the middle level, and the high level. And then the, the amenities that can actually go with the sparring gear, like the chest protectors, like the, um, shin guards and, and, and a better mouthpiece or whatever. And so, uh, but I, but before you, we get into maybe some additional streams of revenue ideas, uh, I do want to say that there are only three ways or three sources of income. Your first source of income is your transactional income. Okay. Um, your second source of income is your reoccurring income, and then your third is your passive income. And so your first one, the transactional, obviously if somebody comes in, they want to buy the bottle of water or they want to buy the, the, like, uh, Allie calls them the Chotsky item that's sitting there for their yeah. kid, right? Okay. Um, you know, those are, those are, uh, your transactional. Reoccurring income is obviously when you get somebody to sign up for your studio and they're paying you on a reoccurring basis. And then lastly is your passive income. That is something where you, you've created or done something that just works. Um, uh, passively and it, and it gives you money, um, without you having to do any more work. It's the system is already set up. So that Mm could be something like, uh, this is an additional source of revenue, but we have a, and I've talked about this on, on different podcasts, but is we do women's self defense classes. Now I have to physically go out and do the two hour women's self defense class. And I do that so that they get into, onto my online, uh, self defense, um, Portal, if you will, it's my membership site. Well, on there and in that class, I'm introducing them to the three the three hour one, which is which is a double the price. Well, actually, it's 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 ninety nine dollars, which I just sell it to them for fifty bucks if they came to the the twenty dollars seminar. Right. But but either way, whether they do that one or they and then they they, 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 they do the next higher level one. After that, I do no more. I've just found that you know. Uh, uh, you know, gun disarms, knife disarms, uh, impact weapon disarms, higher level self-defense. Nobody uh, that I've found really wants to – I can't build that class to be huge. Maybe it's me. I don't know what it is. So what I did is I just shot all the videos, put them online, and now those women can buy the gun disarm video. And when they buy that, the gun's included. Of course, the price is, is up because the gun's included. And then we just mail them the gun. Same thing with the rubber knife. Same thing with the impact weapon. So when they buy it, they get the videos, and boom, it gets sent to them. And so that's, that's passive income. But there's other ideas, um, you know, inside of your school, such as, you know, and Allie's going to talk about retail, and I don't want to get into a lot of them because that's not what this call is. But think about, uh, you know, additional revenue sources that are in there, like a bully buster, an anti-abduction, things that fit right into your vein, into your school. Maybe you you do kickboxing. Maybe that's an additional source of revenue for your school. Allie,
1: quickly talk about retail, if you will, though. Well, I have a few things I want to, I've been been writing down on my notepad so that I don't interrupt you so that you can keep your flow going. Um, Number one, I think a big issue is that people are not creatures of their budget, meaning that they don't. They don't create. And, and I love what you said before that you you watch your cash flow. You watch your. I mean, I'm kind of addicted to my bank accounts and my my um, my income coming in, my income going out. I literally watch my all my accounts, and I have ten of them. Uh which I also have accounts, like you had said, I have a savings account for the school, a savings account for my personal life. I have, a, you know, corporations from my businesses and, and all the different businesses and my schools. And I watch that, you know, and by the way, just so everyone knows, I catch things continuously. Getting taken out of my accounts that I never approve. Sometimes it, got, it slips by me, and I've caught some major fraud that was in little tiny increments. So it's important to watch your money on a regular basis. You know, like a dollar here, a dollar there, five dollars the next day, another dollar, another dollar, ten dollars the next day, and you get used to seeing this thing and wondering what it is. Is it my credit card company? But it, it's some you know fraudulent type of charge. Um, so anyway, become a creature of your budget. Know what you spend to the penny. Know what you make to the penny know what the difference is between the two right so that you're able to forecast and i don't want to say foreshadow i want to say forecast looking into the future of what you're going to be what you could do like for example if you added on just five students how your life would be tremendously changed because that's like another eight hundred dollars so if you're if you're doing well now and you added on five or ten students just ten students that could be fifteen eighteen hundred dollars more in your pocket every single month just simply by doing that um don 't be controlled by the environment that 's something that you mentioned dwayne is like that you uh you know people will sell a membership they 'll do a pay in full they'll and they 'll take the money and they 'll go wow i 'll drop it into advertising or i 'll renovate my building or i 'll just go out and spend it i 'll buy a new car hey i 'm doing so great don 't play with that rock star mentality, thinking that every album is going to be as good as the last one and better, and you 're just going to bank money and bank money. be very careful with how you spend your money and spend it wisely. And be strategic about how you save it, right? That's most important. You know, look at it and say, okay, I'm going to put 5% a month in my account, in an account for upkeep and repairs and, you know, whatever, just in case. Because when that hits you, it gets you, uh, for example, ridiculous. I just had a windstorm. It tore half a siding off the top of my building. And now I call my insurance company. They come, they investigate, and they go, oh, by the way, did you know you have a $30,000 wind deductible? $30,000 deductible on wind. So like my insurance broker really screwed up on that one, and now I'm gonna have to lay out eight nine grand out of my pocket to fix this building because my insurance doesn't cover it. So that's why you should have an account set aside or money set aside for things that may happen. Um, so anyway, the other thing too is the law of threes, right? You talked about retail, Dwayne. You said three package levels. Without going into retail, we've done seminars on that. We have a product on that, the Retail Wonderland product that you could buy. I think it's like. Forty-seven dollars, and you get the whole layout. But um, what I was saying, what you were saying, is that you got to have opportunity for people to do better quality gear. If you're selling the basic gear, you have to have the best gear. If you're selling a basic mouthpiece, you have to have availability to the to the best mouthpiece. And and by having those packages set up, pre set up, you could say, hey, mom, or you know, Mrs. Smith, you could buy package A at one twenty nine, package B at one ninety nine, or package C at, at two ninety nine. All of them have different opportunities. It's not like you're just selling the same stuff for the same price. You're giving them a different quality, a different choice selection, a different level of safety based on what you have available. And and um, the last and final thing and I'll let you jump back in is that always sell in laws of twos and threes. So when you sign someone up, sell them a second set of uniform. In my school, uniform T-shirts, sweat, you know, whatever they're wearing, socks on their feet because we wear tabby ninja socks. Say, hey, Mrs. Jones, we find that many parents always forget to clean their uniforms and the kids come unprepared. Let's eliminate that by just selling you ahead of time a free another uniform at a third of the price. So that way you have a few of them available to you and you don't have to worry about washing them three, four days a week. Parents initially will, will love you for that because in the long run, they're never going to have to experience that frustration of being in, unprepared. Right. So, and you could do that with anything, whether it be, you know, they they buy, you know, fighting gear or whatever, and mouthpieces are cheap. Maybe get a second mouthpiece just in case, something like that. So, anyway, that was my, those are my comments on the retail portion that you had mentioned. I'll let you jump back into the cash flow thing.
0: Yeah. The next one, number five, uh, is um, designate, like, what you can do is designate specific income. Two specific bills. So, for instance, you know, uh, I remember when you told me that I needed to start selling water. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know right. how stupid how stupid was I for years not having water to sell for a buck? Um, you know. So, anyways, I my 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 water actually, you know, every single month uh, pays my uh, my sewer bill and it pays my telephone bill. Right. Just by having that water. Um, so you designate that money to go specifically yeah. to that. And, and can, can, go I, can in, I
1: interrupt you go ahead. too with that, with yeah. the water thing? If you just look at it in small potatoes, small money, right? Let's say you're selling it for a dollar, you pay 30 cents for it. Um, it's not like you're gouging your clients either, because if they go down the road to Seven Eleven or the Delicatessen, they're going to pay $2 for that water, right? So you could even sell it for way more, but we're giving them a service and it's actually stopping them from having to make another stop to go stop at another place to get a drink, to rehydrate. So this is a customer service experience. It's not just us making money. And even if you made 80 cents a water or 70 cents a water and you multiply that out by 100 waters, you're making 70 bucks, 70 to- a week, 70 times four, you know, and then look at the total at the end of the year, three, $5,000 in income just because you had that available. Right. It it makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, you know, designate, like I said, designate specific um, incomes. And it it could be when you, you know, like we just talked about additional streams of income, you could specifically put in that additional stream of income in hopes that it's going to pay a bill. And then once you see how much on average it does, then, uh, you know, that's that goes straight to the water, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. sewer or or trash, or whatever it is. Next one, number six. Number six is a big one, uh, and, and that's em- that's uh, employee theft. All right? Right. You need to make sure that you, because there's cash that's coming into your business, and so it, not so much you'd have to worry about the check or the credit cards, those type of things. That's a lot easier to track, because there's a piece of paper. Right. Um, so you need to make sure that you uh, set up systems so that there is no opportunity to steal from you. And right. so, you know, whether you have a register, whether you have uh, a cash box or however that works, but you really need to make sure that you come up with a, um, a system to be able to track that on a daily, weekly um, uh, basis so that, um, you know, and one thing that we do is is we count the, the cash drawer every night, but it's counted in twos. And what I mean by that is my program director does it and my also my head instructor does it. And they have to sign off on it as well, and and so that's one way that we that we do that. And then the other thing is there's a receipt written for everything. Um, and we I have the receipt because I don't have a um, I don't have a uh, cash register. Um, right. I do have a credit card machine. If somebody gives me a che- a credit card, we run it on the machine. But we still write a, a physical receipt. Same thing with a check, we write a physical receipt. And then same thing with cash. Well, um, the uh, The receipts, uh, the receipt book is in triplicates, and so it's it's a white, yellow, and a pink copy. The white, yellow, or the white one stays in the book. We turn it, you know, over and we rip out the pink and the yellow. The customer gets the pink. The yellow one goes in the cash box. And the reason that is is because then, uh, obviously, the cash should match that yellow one every day, right? But then at the end of the week, when I collect the money, when I get the money, and I do that actually on Mondays, uh, from, from the following week, I go on on Mondays and I get that, um, that cash should match that receipt. But see, I also then have the white one as well, because it's easy. Like, so for instance, if I gave you 25 bucks, Sally, right, and you wrote $25 cash from Dwayne, and then, what you did was you, you ripped out all three receipts and you took the white one with you and the cash with you, right? You could steal it, yeah. But you can't because that white one has to be in that booklet. Does that's that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's how I make sure that none of my money is, is, is taken. So um, with cash flow, employee theft is a real thing. I know you trust um, you know, people. I've had to fire people. Uh, people over cash are uh, over stealing money from me before, and they were very nice people you know and that 's the hardest thing in the world to do, but cash flow
1: well um, here, let me let me interject first of all, you should never trust anybody except for maybe the people that you you 're in love with in a relationship with right um, but and i don 't say this in a pessimistic way. you should never trust anyone because if you 're not checking your numbers it 's very easily um, a mistake it could be unintentional that someone is doing something incorrectly. And, and yeah. you could be, you know, you could definitely, without a doubt, be losing money because of it, right? So here's a, for example, I had a program manager that I had to get rid of recently within the last year, and um, I just was trusting him too much and not checking the contracts he was signing. So he was telling me, hey, I sold the Black Belt Club membership, which is our middle level membership. And then he would give them a sweet deal. He was charging them less than a regular membership. So he was getting a commission on the Black Belt Club membership just because he called it that. And he was giving them Black Book Club membership, but only charging them for a basic or less than basic membership. And I wasn't looking at every contract going through and watching the billing. And anytime I asked about it and said the numbers don't make sense, he'd make some sort of mistake. I'll get it to you, I promise, until I forgot about it, and then he'd repeat the cycle, Right. So that's one thing. Another thing, too, is is that sometimes people will just make mistakes on it because they don't understand or they're not checking the numbers. I once had the IRS, and you know this, right? I, I, I cried and yelled about it for, for years, that they literally were siphoning money out of my account um, for my coaching business and not telling me, and my credit card company wasn't telling me, and all of a sudden, I'm 2000 short here, 3000 short there, and the reason why they claimed they did it was because it was an IRS tax ID mismatch which in the end, after three years of me waiting, they took $28,000 out of my account. I had to I had to close the account to stop them and reopen up a new charge account with a new bank. Um, and then they finally refunded me my money, and it was all their mistake. Someone typed my number wrong when they put it in the computer, so it flagged my company, and they started siphoning money out of my account. And I couldn't control it. So very careful. You know, we have to always watch our money, always watch what we're spending, always watch what's coming in. Make sense? Well, uh, well no, it makes ab-
0: absolute sense. Um, I was going to say that's why, uh, and that's not what this is about here, but that's why I have my program director and my head instructor both involved uh, with, with uh, uh, the contracts. Right so there's double checking all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I will say, uh, I disagree with you. Uh, I trust, but
1: verify. Okay. Same, okay. same way. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: well, <laughs> well, I trust- mean, I want to trust them. So I trust, but verify.
1: Yeah, there you go. I mean, when I say trust, you know what I mean? I mean, I I'm a I little know. pessimistic now because lately I've been going through some little things here and there with people I trusted that have kind of proved not to be trustworthy. But uh, I agree, verification is everything. And, you know, remember, at the end of the day, when you sell, retire, or look in your bank account, it's your money that's going to be missing if you're not watching over it well. And and no one will watch your money like you do because it's not – they don't care. It's not their money. If they sell something cheaper than what it should be or sign someone up for che- – they're not affected personally by it, but we are because the bottom of the line is we live – our lives and fa- feed our families and pay our bills based off of the revenue that comes in from our businesses. So if, if it's short, we suffer. The employee doesn't; they always get their paycheck. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, next one, number seven. Number
0: seven, uh, cash flow strategy is to be careful. I, it's okay to look and try to um, try to cut costs. Okay. okay. If that makes sense. But be careful that you don't cut the wrong costs um, and what I mean by that is I, I don't know that you should ever uh, cut your marketing cost um, I, I'm not saying that you if you can uh, get an ad that's just as effective as if it's smaller and you pay less that's
1: not what I'm talking about yeah that, that, would be, thing- that would be that would be cost effectiveness right so not cut costs yes. but be Cost analysis, but go ahead. Yeah,
0: so I just you know I want to I, I want to throw that out there because sometimes uh, obviously to have a bottom line that's bigger you can cut costs to do that, but um, you know cheaper isn't always better. And in fact, sometimes uh, buying a more expensive product, uh, even though it's more expensive, is better in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I just I want to throw that out there. It is a strategy to understand that we got to be careful that we don't cut the wrong cost in order to right. increase our cash flow. Um, and, and, and so just, you know, be, be cautious about that. And I'll give an example of a good one is, you know, my phone bill. You still there, Allie? I lost my um, headset. Gotcha. So my phone bill um, used to be anywhere from, you know, like 60 bucks or something like that. It was getting ridiculous. And so I looked into using an Internet-type phone i use what's mm-hmm. called line two uh if you want to look into it I, I mean i don't have any you know we're not selling it or affiliates of it i mean i guess i am but i don't i, I don't care about that it's uh, l-i-n-e and then the number two.com i think is what it is but anyways it's a full functioning phone that goes through my computer at the studio and um you know, uh, I can set up press one for this, press two for that, send in a voicemail. I mean, a whole bunch of different options. Yeah. And it's only fourteen. It's only fourteen ninety nine a month. Um. And I didn't lose any anything except I gained money. And so that was a, that was cost, You know, that that was a cost that I could I could you know I could deal with if that makes sense. So right. I just want to throw that out there. Number seven, it's okay cut costs in order to increase cash flow, but be careful on what you cost.
1: Or yeah, you and caught, yeah, or you know what? Too, key. Dwayne, too. Uh, Google, Google also has a free phone number. You could sign up for a free Google number and get a free number, and and just you know the same exact thing through your computer. And then the cool thing is, if you have a Google telephone number, you could track the calls that come in via advertisement and all this other stuff. But you and I both went out and we did our phone, and cell phones, right? And I ended up saving. I you know my I put my my girlfriend had her cell phone. I had my daughters and myself and my mom on one cell phone carrier. We merged them together, four lines, went with a different company, and ended up saving like almost $225 a month. Now, when you look at that, that's a lot of money, right? That could be a car payment. It could be money going into my daughter's college fund. Um, you're looking at $3,000 a year that technically is being wasted, right? That's just being thrown away because I'm not being a savvy business owner. And, and looking at my money, right? And that's important. So these little things like saving money is true. You can renegotiate your cable service. Every year they raise my bill. I call them up. I complain, threaten to quit, and they lower it down even further. So, I mean, there are certain fees that you shouldn't have to pay. You just have to ask. Like my, um, my sewer company was charging me $600 a year for a commercial sewer line water test, right? And I'm like, why do I get that? Well, you know, you might be putting contaminants back in the water. I'm like, we don't have, it's a toilet and a sink. We don't run a commercial kitchen or have a manufacturing plant. Why would we pay that? And I and I called them up and now I'm arguing with the company and, and I'm sure they're going to remove it because I'm not a, you know, I could see that for a business that uses chemicals, but not for me. So just don't spend blindly because you think you have to or because that's the rules of the game. Always change the rules of the game. Okay, that's, that's ag- <laughs> yeah. ag- agreed. No, no, I agree.
0: Number eight. Number eight is big paydays. Okay, we kind of talked about those, but this is a concept of, in and of itself with regards to the fact that um, you need to in advance decide what you're going to do with big paydays. Mm-hmm. Don't um, don't get caught into the excitement of all of a sudden all of a sudden now being able to buy a car or or whatever it is. Now, not to say, now. Don't get me wrong. If that's what you've decided in advance, that's the best thing for you and your business and your personal life and everything. Then by all means, do it. But right. when you have these big paydays come in. You need to be forward thinking on what you are going to do with that money in advance prior to getting it because, um, as you all know, uh, we're all tempted <laughs> to do what we feel, uh, and what we feel isn't always whats is, is, or what we want
1: isn't always necessarily what we need. Does that make right. sense, Allie? Absolutely, without a doubt. Sometimes our desire is to go, hey, I got a big hit. I got a lot of money, and that's why that's why people who win the lotto, usually end up bankrupt and worse off they were than when they won the lotto. So they owned a home and they were doing well. They won the millions and millions of dollars and now they're living homeless almost. It's because money, money, a lot of money or an influx or a surge of money could get you to think incorrectly. Yep. Uh, Last one.
0: Number nine. Now I want to remind you that some of these, uh, maybe I didn't say this, but some of these Interwove, you know, they're interwoven with one another. So this one's going to sound similar to um, uh, number seven when I talked about cutting costs, Um, but it isn't. This is a different concept. And um, improving your cash flow can be done in two ways, all right? First way is to cut costs. But the reason I talked about having cut, you know, cutting costs in a different one is because you have to. It's, it's okay to cut costs. Good costs, like Allie talked about, or I talked about, are good. But, uh, and, 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 and you do need to review those things. But the, the best way to improve your cash flow, bar none, is not to cut costs. Even though being a savvy school owner is important, it's increasing your gross. And so looking at uh, ways to be a- being able to increase your gross is going to be vitally important not to say that you don't spend time on you know looking at things to cut your costs but you have to look at ways to increase your gross meaning you know how can i bring in you know eight to ten more students each month uh and and maybe you're only bringing in you know three or four new students so how can i how can i bring up to ten or how can i bring up to 15 you know consistently to do that or you know, looking at, uh, you know, how, how can I keep more of my students? You know, maybe, maybe your bucket, the hole in your bucket is a lot bigger than it should be. Um, and this goes back to knowing your business, knowing your numbers, and that's not even what we're talking about today. Um, but each, each area of our business does intertwine with other areas. This one obviously in, intertwines with your stats and statistics and knowing your numbers inside of your school with regards to your quit rate and, and those type of things. So, um, st- uh, cash flow strategy number nine, again, is, you know, there's two ways to increase cash flow, cutting costs, but the best way to do it is to uh, increase your gross. Uh, Allie, is there anything
1: that you want to talk about about cash flow before we... Yeah, well, well, I also want to add, and it's probably just a different spin the way I'm hearing things, too, is that um, y- your gross numbers are very, very important, um, but you have to learn to run lean, and I don't mean lean in a way where you're, you're the cook, cleaner, bottle maker, blah, 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 blah guy, right? I mean, you could still have all these employees and have things going on, but you have to run lean. In other words, no waste, right? So you're watching your dollars and cents everywhere, and it's about the net. I mean, I've seen schools that have 600 students that are basically making what a school that I coach that has 120 students, Um, because, you know, as you grow, you add on people, you add on benefits, you add on employee packages, you add on advertising, you add on all this stuff. And so this guy might be here as far as student count. And this other guy might be way up here as far as student count. And they're making almost around the same amount of money. So it's all about knowing your gross, knowing your net. And and then of course, it's simple math expenses going out, money coming in, and then knowing, like you said, the percentages of your profit margin and, uh, and what you're making. So, um, You know, it's important for them to, and again, analyzing those numbers. And I think one day, Dwayne, I think we really just got to get back into maybe just showing someone how to do this. Because to some school owners, and I I hate to say this, I think this is kind of foreign knowledge for them. They're not really sure. It's so much going on in their heads just being a teacher and a sensei and teaching promotions and stuff. We keep going over so much stuff that sometimes the school owners tell me their heads are going to explode. So we have to be a little bit careful uh, when you're a business owner not to take on jobs that you don't know how to do and not to take on tasks that you can't complete um, and be careful with, uh, you know, where, where you're at in your business.
0: Yeah, I know. I totally agree. So hopefully hopefully everybody uh, found this beneficial. Um, I, I want to say um, a couple of things. Number one is, you know, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can do so by going to schoolandertalk.com. You can do that whether you have an Android device or, or, um, you know, an Apple device. The other thing is on Thursday of this week at 1230, right? Yeah. 1230 Eastern yep. time. Yeah. Uh, we have a webinar that we're going to be doing. Um, we'll put a link on, on this podcast as well, but otherwise you can go to uh, schoolintertalk.com and you'll be able to, uh, to, to get to that. It's not posted up there yet, but uh, we'll be doing that shortly. Um, but anyways, what we're going to be talking about is, you know, how for yourself, uh, how you can make uh, this summer uh, one of the best best years ever, if you will, or best summers ever. And and uh, Allie, I um, I came up with this. Uh, uh, I, I well, I didn't come up with it. I kind of swiped and deployed it. But uh, uh, tell me what you think. Be be, be sure not to uh, fizzle when the summer starts to sizzle.
1: I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to
0: talk about discovering the marketing strategies and internal events that you can use to have a highly profitable, profitable summer this year. So we'll, exactly. uh, we'll, throw that, we'll throw that link inside of there, inside of here as well. And then uh, it'll be on schoolundertalk.com. Allie, any final thoughts before we end?
1: Uh, No, I just posted up on our Facebook uh, blog or post that um, there's a really great game out there that I have and I own. And, in fact, my my girlfriend and my daughter and I used one of the sheets from the game um, to figure out different income strategies, utilizing my girlfriend's income, my income. And, you know, it asks questions like – You know what's your salary what's your interest do you have dividends from anything what real estate you own what businesses you own you know your taxes all your debts and what you owe money on and then it gives you passive income total income it's just a really cool little thing but it's from the game cash flow which was uh, made by uh, rob kiyosaki and uh, it's like a monopoly game but for business owners it's fun you can play it with the family and it teaches financial education I used to meet with my staff, four of us, every Wednesday. We'd have bagels and and coffee and juice, and we would play, like, two hours of this game together. Um, And uh, we would learn, you know, just about, you know, personal finance and learning how to do a balance sheet and learning how, you know, to get out of what he calls the rat race in this game. So I, I posted his Facebook page. I love his books. I love him, been to his seminars, like his real estate stuff. So anyway, I posted it up on our Facebook page, School Owners Talk. Um, people might want to check that out, but it is definitely something that is uh, helpful, and it's so simple.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Allie, thanks again. Hopefully, uh, the, uh, these nine cash flow strategies, everybody uh, enjoyed. Um, and feel free to share this post uh, with uh, other school owners as well. Thanks, Allie.
1: I appreciate it, sir. Thanks, Dwayne. Take care. Have a great day.